I want Hilary Swank in the next Terminator movie so bad. There is nothing in this world that you give me to do to hug a robot. It's because it's so incredible and intricate that it's impossible not to notice. Music's the core of this movie. I'm born again to watch this movie. <laughs> You'll find redeeming things and you'll be thinking about it for a long time afterwards. There was no bone saw. Just John Hamming it up over here. Two and a half out of three of us recommend it. <laughs> Everybody loves talking about movies. Let's talk about movies. What's up, world? Welcome back to the Pause Rewind Play podcast. Once again, we are here in my uh, office room where my wife works from home, and we're recording a great episode tonight. We have our standard cast, Josh. Hey, go 49ers. Vince? You're setting up an expectation that I hope we can fill. What do you mean an expectation that you hope you we just said we're we're filming a great episode and we haven't even started. I hope that we don't mess this up. <laughs> well, I also said <laughs> if I said filming, we're not recording oh, anything. I might have said I might have probably that said it though. That's the thing is I think I had a stroke the other day and everything I've been saying has been backwards. Like the other day, I That's literally walked out to my car and I said like door lock instead of like lock the door type thing and i've been like saying everything backwards and then i'm just like i think i'm broken maybe we should stop the episode and get casey to a hospital but i haven't been smelling anything that's like burning or anything like that so i think i'm okay and like i still have full use of my left arm which i think is a sign if you have a stroke right that's lucky that you still have your left arm yeah no one would ever know if i had a stroke yeah no one would ever know you're having a heart attack (laughs) yeah i'd be i'd be sol yeah (laughs) and also by the way guys we have a guest vince introduce your guest we got someone from a professional <laughs> and on. very respected, prestigious, prestigious <laughs> podcast with us tonight. We got Trevor from the Chat Pack. Yay! Yay! And the crowd goes mild. What's up? Vince? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Vince, I'd appreciate more confidence that this is going to be a great episode. So. <laughs> We brought Trevor like, is it not already good enough for you, Vince? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Are you not yeah, entertained? Uh, Trevor, tell us about the Chat Pack a little bit. Uh, yeah, the Chat Pack uh, podcast is a, a show that I do with a couple of my friends. That uh, It actually started while we were, what, juniors? juniors or seniors at Ohio University. Um, we used to just broadcast on Twitch right from our living room, sit on the couches, talk about some things. Um, and then after we graduated, we kind of got, you know, into life a little bit and forgot about it for a couple of years. And then we recently revived it. Um, and we're actually, we're all in different parts of the country now. So we have to record remotely, which is always an interesting adventure. But, uh, yeah, it's just a, a podcast of me and my friends. So it's really funny too. I listen fun. to it like every week. Yes. I appreciate it. Be sure that. to check them out. So, yeah. yeah. Shameless plug. Go check it out. <laughs> You should right. check it out. I'll check it out because I have no idea anything about it. So I want to go and be surprised and, and entertained. So anyway, thanks for uh, joining us, Trevor. And that's all we needed you for. So Cool. All right. <laughs> just See you guys uh, later. It was just for the plug. <laughs> don't don't like let it. the door hit you on the way out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, guys, what are we talking tonight? I'm so excited about this. I'm stoked. Casey doesn't know. It's just a surprise for This me. is a pr- surprise for me. I watched 10 movies this week, and they said, we're going to randomly select one of the 10 movies on your watch list and watch it ourselves, and here is our podcast. Hopefully. That's actually a good idea. I hope you got the right one. 
<laughs> no, actually, we probably shouldn't just dive into the movie. We haven't talked about what we've been watching yet. There's there's a couple of things I skipped. I'm and just... I have something to say. Oh, speak. I saw Parasite. We did nope. our Oscar Moving picks. Right along. And I saw Parasite, and now I want to change my best original screenplay. Did you put Parasite pick. for it? No. Oh. But I think that's going to be the one that wins. I'm so happy that you think that, especially with what we talked about earlier yeah, with Parasite. So I saw Parasite. I did not love it. I liked it. I didn't understand the hype, and I thought to myself when it ended, I don't know why this is an Oscar-nominated movie. Turns out I'm just not smart, smart enough for the movie. I watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos, and it's a very smart, smart movie with a lot of uh, symbolism. symbolism in it that went way over my head. Um, and what, what it doesn't, it's still not on my best of 2019 list. But I think that the best thing I can say about it is how unpredictable it was at every turn. <clears throat> and when I went in and I looked at all that, like, was told what all the symbolism is, I can respect what it is. And I think that it may be the one that gets that. And shout out to, like, that cast because none of them none of the actors specifically have really been nominated for a lot of things but as a cast they did an amazing thing and they did win the ensemble acting award at the recent sag awards so that's awesome i loved the dad in it he was my favorite part he's really good and also it's so much more funny than you think it would be like that people... was my problem with it. I didn't know what the movie was. It was a thriller for a second, then it was a comedy for a second, then it was a horror for a second, and then it was that's not. Like, it was like... Well, that's what people have been saying. It just like kind of defies genres. There's no specific genres, and so they've started calling it a comedy thriller. Is like the semi like what, what people have decided what that it is. Thriller. <laughs> Did you see or a thromedy? No, oh, a thromedy. There <laughs> we go. The new the new genre, the thromedies. A thromedy. I did not see it. Which also, fun fact, Bong Joon-ho, after you know they released it and everything, he said a better name for the movie would have been, in English, would have been Parasites instead of Parasite. I can fun I get fact that. Friday. I can see that. Does that change your, change your opinion of the movie, Vince? <laughs> yeah, if they would have named it Parasites, <laughs> it would have been number one. Everything. It would be my favorite <laughs> movie of the year. There we go. <laughs> well, there you have it. The title makes all the difference. So that's what I watched. I watched Parasite. Sweet. Casey, oh. what did you watch? Well, my wife got me into watching Scandal, which is a series on the television or Netflix or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty interesting. I don't know. The politics behind it is fun. Uh, I watched something else I really wanted to talk about. Oh, I'm watching Chef's Table again. Well, that's always solid. Oh, uh, yeah. If you want to know, there's tons of books in this room and 60% of them are food books and 50% of them oh, that's not even good math 110% of the books in this room I had two bad weeks of math now guys and I'm in a freaking math class right now at school no um 40% of them are also like hustling books like uh, business books so I mean that's all I do is business and cooking and hunger games and that's what well, a lot of, like, this and is I a think combo I see... of my wife, my Antonia, the, an object of beauty. I was about to say, like, what's, because I know you've got TCAM in here, like, what's To Kill a Mockingbird, like, between those two? Oh, <laughs> To Kill a Mocking is, Mockingbird is most definitely a book on entrepreneurship. There, there you go. go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I'm only halfway through it, again, as an adult. Uh, Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, nothing really. I obviously watched uh, Blade Runner for... Oh, Blade Runner ever, 2049. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Watch We're watching Blade Runner. <laughs> That's should, what I watched. Should I cut it? The town. Oh, the town. Oh. Did you want to talk about that? I mean, 
okay, ready? Here's finish it up. I watched Blade Runner for this. I did a ton of homework, and so the only other thing I watched was like random episodes of The Office. There you go. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, Josh, right. watch The Office. I did, I did go see 1917 again in the theater in like XD, which is what they call it at Cinemark. So it's kind of like IMAX, but not like totally IMAX. Extra deep. And it was still definitely worth it. What? <laughs> Did you say extra deep? XD, extra deep. Like, <laughs> XD. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think XD stands extra for, Extra depth into the movie? Maybe there's like, I'm talking like depth into the filmmaking <laughs> process here. This is a family show. I actually don't know if it is classified as a family show. Let's just show. move on. Trevor, what did you see? Yeah, Trevor, that? what did you watch? Uh, what did I watch? Um... I gotta say, I've, I've been watching a lot of the Great British Baking Show. Hey, which, oh, my uh, brother-in-law would, would love you. It's pretty good. I can't say that I've been watching it by choice, um, but it's been cool because I've been able to beat Luigi's Mansion 3 while I've been yes. watching that in the background. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say that now it's been a while since this premiered, but uh, I got to watch like half of Legion Season 3, Woo. and that show is just... I think it's one of my favorite superhero like anything that's ever been made like it's super interesting and i'm having i'm saying that having not seen the end the back half of season three so <laughs> i'm excited to see the rest of that but uh it's good definitely check it out if you that guys show is bonkers i it's love awesome. it i can't wait to see season three i'm just waiting for it to pop up on hulu isn't legion like where x-men are bad like professor mm. x's kids are bad you uh well i mean you might know more about no, it than you i go. do vince but legion is one of the the x-men characters um david what is it david holler is legion um and so the the story focuses on him but one of the cool things they did with the show was they didn't follow any of like the actual comic book um like any of the actual comic book stories any of the big stories that have had him in it they just made like an original story using like the same kind of setting and characters and everything um and every time i watch it like vince said it's bonkers and i'm every time i watch it i'm just like how did disney or marvel or whoever allow this to be made I think, because yeah, it's I think amazing FX made it right yeah i guess but it's it's a marvel production or whatever the but it was a marvel owned by fox at the time oh that's a good point yeah so they they were kind of like i don't think they really knew what they were doing with the with their x-men franchise because when legion came out that was also when um i think they announced or at least it's the same general time period was when they announced that um Maisie Williams one that still hasn't come out. Oh, the shoot. New Mutants. Yeah, New Mutants, which is like a horror. Um, I've bad feelings. And then about Logan that. came out too. They were like experimenting with their X Men franchise, and they released Legion, which is in the X Men universe, but doesn't. It's not the generic superhero. It's it's like Wes Anderson meets X Men meets just. It's crazy. Just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a mind game, if you want a mind game, Josh, I think you'd like it. Lots of like confusing symbolism and that kind of stuff you're into. It's like that scene from Doctor Strange, but just the whole show. (laughs) The entire show is just like that one crazy scene. And Aubrey Plaza is in it too, isn't she? Yeah, and she, that might be my favorite role that I've ever seen her in because, um, well, she kind of, without any spoilers, she like, flips between kind of the good and the bad throughout the show and she just does an amazing job of it like her acting in that show is just crazy like i think she was made for that role she's so good she's so good and she's also hilarious she's been putting out like stuff because for the second year she's hosting i think it's called the spirit awards which is like another award season thing which is the night before the oscars on the 8th and recently her and bill murray they put out an ad for it where they were 
like pretending to be the guys in uh, Lighthouse. So they're <laughs> pretending to be Willem Dafoe and Robert oh, Pattinson from that, that movie, like and doing like a promo for it. It was pretty funny. I definitely so, gotta check that out. That sounds great. And there we go. Well, well, now I know, and I'm kind of interested. I just want to put it on my list somehow of wherever it is and watch it. Do it. You'll you'll like it. <laughs> the way we, you described it. We got rid it. of the sticky note. <laughs> oh, the sticky notes. Where are the sticky notes? Yeah, get them back here. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't know where they are. It's okay. <laughs> Well, season one and two of Legion, I think, is on Hulu. So anyone who wants to check it out. And three comes out in like April, I think. I've been Fingers like crossed. watching every month. I'm like, it's got to be coming up soon, and it never comes up soon. Not soon enough. <laughs> not soon enough. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not here yet. But I haven't started, so it's okay. It's like all those Game of Thrones fans who are like, we can binge seven seasons, and those was like, ah. That's all. Oh well. Yep. I'm going a little crazy here, but Josh. We're going to watch, we're going to talk Blade Runner 2049 tonight. Let's kind of jump into it. Tell me, you have a summary and a tweet tonight. I do. We're bringing back something from the original days. We're doing a summary and a tweet. And this is summary and a tweet from me who, I don't know, I think all of you guys have seen Blade Runner before, 2049. Yes? Yeah. That's why we're here. This is this is my first time <laughs> seeing Blade Runner 2049. Wait, really? Yep. We're, we're related and we never watched this before this is one of my favorite films I know. there's two reasons that i wanted to do this number one i found out he josh had never seen it number two trevor's a super fan Ooh. so i've been wanting to get him to travel down to the south to want to, to do this for a long time <laughs> a great journey yeah. uh, i right. made the pilgrimage out here well then with this summary and a tweet let's see if we get any conversation topics going forward and any controversy <clears throat> My Blade Runner 2049 summary in a tweet is Villeneuve and Deacons fly us through their gorgeous monochromatic world and dare us to accept, to accept police brutality, only police flying cars, and robot human sex in the name of larger-than-life visuals and music, which distracts us from the lack of a basic storyline and character development. Whoa. Go. Can you click back a few steps on that? I don't know where to start. Just just push X <laughs> Did, on your keypad hold and on. go all the way back. Did you not like this movie? <clears throat> this movie was really, really pretty. And it had it Wait. had good score too. It had a good score too. And the movie I did not dislike the movie. I thought it was like a fine, really pretty, like action movie. Let me read you a quote for or go ahead, Trevor. What? Oh, I thought you said. Yeah, I thought you had something you wanted to say. You leaned in like you did. Let me read no, you a just, quote from Villeneuve mad. himself. Okay, but I also will preface this, which I know this is never good for watching a movie, but I did watch this movie in like three separate pieces. So like, you can like bash me and say like that I miss like the continuity of the story by doing that, mm. and so I I won't doubt that that could possibly be something that played into it. But I also thought that the the basic storyline and everything was just. Meh, because like I understand that the world itself is very interesting, but the point of this one was not to like bring forth this new world and show what it is. Like the Blade Runner world has already been established. Right. It's to do something new with it. And they did. They introduced such such like interesting, like uh self reflective and, and, and just like like what what is a soul and who are we as people? Are we just a memories or are we actually something more than that? Like it introduces such deep philosophical ideas that you can just like kind of explore and and think about that's what i love about it like like what are we are we better if we 
Oh, man. I don't know where to start. There's a, there's there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> let, let me read this quote to you. And because, okay, this is from... Josh, you broke Just read it to this, all of us, okay? This is from Villanue, Villanue himself. He says that while still proud of the film, he realized that afterwards... He realized afterwards that he had made the most expensive art house movie in cinema history, and he knew it would be a huge financial flop or a huge financial risk, not flop. So even after the movie, he just recognized that he may have put in a little too much flying the car around the city, a little too much. I mean, it's my whole complaint with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too much driving up and down the street. But the difference is. I love this sci-fi. I love looking at this, whereas I have no like nostalgia towards downtown Hollywood in the 60s. People were so surprised when it... Did it win uh, the production design Oscar? Which movie? Uh, Blade Runner? Blade oh. Runner, yeah. yeah uh, I don't remember, because I know that I it know won two. I know it won visual effects, and it won cinematography. Oh, yeah, it only yeah. won two. So people were... I remember, because I thought this was it, but I didn't want to speak incorrectly. People were super surprised when it didn't win the best production design. Mm-hmm. As so well. it was it was nominated for best cinematography, best visual effects, best sound editing, sound editing, best sound mixing and best production design. Yeah. I remember people were super surprised. Like it was a lead front runner for production design and people were super surprised when that didn't happen. Who do you know what won it? Um, I should have looked I don't. It up. I'll check it out while you guys talk about it. Oh man, well you uh you've just thrown me off my game tonight. So <laughs> I'm I'm surprised because <laughs> uh like like you said like too many scenes of like the car flying through you know the solar fields and the city and whatever and like that's one of my favorite things about this movie and why i geek out about it so much because i'm like he well and i i even read i was surprised well i guess i shouldn't say surprised but i read that the original cut of the movie was like over well over four hours and they split it into two parts for test screenings and they debated releasing two movies and uh, Villeneuve eventually cut it down to what? What is it? Two hours and almost three hours, or whatever it is. And uh, oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, anyways, <laughs> gotta uh, eat that mic. Sorry. So so they cut it down to to just under three hours, and even with that, I'm shocked that, that like he still was able to leave um, like scenes like that where he just lets the movie kind of breathe a little bit, like. Uh, just big, these big, long, sprawling shots of, like, just the wasteland that is, you know, L.A. and things like that. And, like, even though he had to cut so much out of the movie, he still felt that those were, like, necessary scenes that needed to be in there. And I think that it adds to the the whole film is just, like, you have these scenes of just reflection where it's just, like, you just sit and enjoy, like, the the scene. Like, it's just, it gets time to breathe, you know? It's not just, like, go, go, go for mm-hmm. three hours straight, like some of the the Marvel movies and things like that come to mind. So, And I'd agree because like it does give it that time to breathe as well as they're gorgeous. They're some of the most beautiful shots of the whole movie or is when that happens. And so obviously like the entire movie can't be that, but without it, the movie is too fast paced and too like sort of hyperventilating just one mm. thing after another. And you weren't and into so the mystery it. of who he was, like whether or not he was his chosen child. I was, twist is so I, don't know. I was into it, but like... Did you see the original Blade Runner? No, I did not. Okay. Sorry. I, I did watch like a synopsis and stuff before, so I wasn't totally out of the loop. In the right. Dark. So the first time I watched this, I'd actually only seen half of the original Blade Runner. But my friend and I, we were working an event in Seattle. We went and saw the Cinerama up in Seattle, which is a super cool, giant theater 
there. It's amazing. So Dang. if anyone goes to Seattle, go watch a movie in the Cinerama. You can get drinks there, food, about anything you want. It's it's there. But we went and watched it, and we watched it on this huge screen. Like, I kid you not, it felt like we were in a football stadium, and it was just gigantic. Uh-huh. And I had, like I said, only seen part of it, and Flip and I were just like, we're going to watch this. It's going to be awesome. And he, he just treated me to a fun night of you know seeing this movie, and it was so big, so beautiful. And that's, I think... What does it? I don't know what, you know, did you watch on your TV? If you watch on your phone, you know, but the experience for me is really what guided me along this story and kept me involved was the experience I had in the theater. And that's where I became such a fanboy of the, the movie and then of the cinematography and everything. And, and that's what I was like saying. I was like, it was gorgeous. I don't, yeah. like, I've seen most of the other movies that were in the best cinematography category that year. And I guess we're sort of doing like a Rogers Deacon like back to back thing because one of our other most recent episodes was 1917. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Everything with the lighting, everything with the different scenes and the different characters being monochromatic. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's just like for me that felt like that was too much. Ninety percent of the movie was it just was. that, which is like don't get me wrong. Like I loved it, and so like that's like sort of what I said in the tweet was that it's gorgeous, right? It's beautiful and everything, but all of that is making up for a luck laster storyline black I, I disagree though oh, no. I, no, I sound like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. i i disagree though i think that the story is really intriguing and interesting and it in in telling this story it also introduces ideas that um are are in themselves something really interesting to explore like the difference between a uh um, oh, a, a replicant and and say a cyborg or not even a cyborg a computer projected image you know with with um K his girlfriend Jordan. and his girlfriend and and what makes a human is it like i said like is it our memories or is it our experiences because we have these man-made humans essentially that we look down on as being just toys or robots you know through the whole thing they're they're treating these these replicants as like the low of the low, like lower than slaves. They call them like skin jobs and like talk down on them and throw things at them. They just don't respect these things at all. Yet they're having these super emotional, beautiful human experiences where they can find them, you know? So it introduces these ideas that are like, you know, what is humanity? And, and if, if we create something that can also create life, does that make them equal to us? Even though we are the ones who created them, does that make us a God, you know? And that's kind of like the idea of, uh, um, what's his name? Wayland, not Wayland. That's aliens. Wallace. Wallace. He, he considers like, he considers himself a God through the whole thing. He, he, (laughs) that's putting it lightly, (laughs) right? Like he references the, the, he calls the replicants, his angels, you know, he never says I'm a God, but he's like playing God through the whole thing. And all he wants to do is, take this creation that he has and create and be able to upgrade them enough to create more life. He's like, he wants to be a God, you know? And it just, I, I love these ideas and I love the mystery behind it. And I love following Kay and his, his journey to figuring out who he is. Is he just a replicant or is he something more, something that hasn't been around before? And then at the same time, just world building, like world building in a really beautiful, interesting way, seeing this just dystopian 80s, neon version of the future that we get is just so fun to see and i don't know i just i love everything about it so uh kind of to that point um i'm i'm in the same boat as casey where like the first time i saw this movie um it's actually one of the few movies that i like specifically remember seeing in theaters because i was just so impressed seeing it on the big screen like seeing it in theaters it was just a spectacle you know just amazing 
And so this time around watching it for this, I I tried to, you know, block all of that out and really focus on like, like uh, Josh was talking about the script and everything. And like, you know, maybe I was just blinded by this, this amazing cinematography the first time around. But the movie, like I'm super impressed that the movie doesn't really waste anything. And like, like especially with the lines. And like, I think part of it is that like, you know, Kay's character is supposed to be this kind of unfeeling replicant. And so he's very like short and direct, but like the, all the script and the visuals like don't waste anything because like an example to what you're saying, um, Vince is like with joy, joy, you see midway through the movie, like an advertisement for her essentially. And it shows this giant, you know, pink, like naked lady or whatever. And in that you realize that that Kay has edited his well it's sort of assumptuous but like Kay has made his version of joy be like almost less sexual because he just wants a companion and like she's able to provide that and something that backs up like that assumption is that when they're out in the rain she says something along the lines of I love you so much and all he says is you don't have to say that which Mm -hmm. just backs up that like he has changed her to be just his companion and like he doesn't need that over the top like sexual whatever she originally was intended to be and the movie does that with literally like 15 seconds of her in the giant ad and then that one line and it's like and you're able to draw that from just that so like the whole movie doesn't waste anything you know like and there's just tons of examples like that it's really cool so suck it josh Fine. That's not what I meant. That's That's not what I meant. But also, you're wrong. (laughs) But also, I understand. It's like it's the very first time I watched it, and I did watch it in parts. And so, like, I definitely like didn't notice that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. So here's our purpose for tonight. We are gonna change your mind about this movie. (laughs) I don't think you can do that. Like, I will. I definitely will say that. I'll probably you'll say things, and I'll be like, oh yeah, like I definitely like thought that was better. And don't get me wrong. I'm not here saying this was a bad movie. It was a good movie. It's just like for me, it wasn't like a great, amazing movie. I respect also, your opinion, and now how I understand how you felt when I said I didn't love the Parasite. <laughs> it's true. When Vince first Aww. walked in, and he was like, "I saw Parasite." He's like, "I don't know why it's Oscar nominated." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I freaked out. Also, I know that everyone probably did it like the opposite way, but when I started watching Blade Runner, since it was my first time, I watched Blade Runner, and I was like, "Hey, this is the girl from Knives Out." <laughs> Even though oh, I'm sure yeah, everyone else her, huh? watched Knives yeah. Out, and they're like, "Oh, this is the girl from Blade Runner." What is her name? Which girl? Um, her it's name, like Anna the girl who plays or something. Uh, yeah, Anna Diarmas. Diarmas. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into the movie, um, I just want to go through a couple of things. Um, first off, we already talked about this. It was written. It was directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, written by Hampton Fancher and Michael Green. Uh, released October 6, 2017, with a budget of $150 million, and it has grossed $260 million. Rotten Tomatoes gave it... $150 million? That's so expensive. It's so expensive. And <laughs> it's beautiful, Trump change. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 like Christopher Nolan. Like, Villeneuve doesn't like CGI, so a lot yeah. of that budget went into model making and... Uh, uh, actual props and like the car is real the car actually drives the car actually has windshield wipers that wipe you know and they hired the weta workshop to make all these models like really cool behind the scenes features on this one guys definitely worth watching i did watch like it was crazy how much wasn't because i watched it i'm like wow they did like so many crazy visual effects on this and then i did watch like a behind the scenes youtube video and so much of the stuff that was actually there and not fake i was like 
Yeah. Wow. I, I love directors like this who are, who just understand that like CGI works, but getting a real life like set, building a real life set that the the actors can see and play off of and, and everything and exist in that world, you can just tell the difference. And the visuals, you can just tell the difference in the visuals, man. And from what I've heard, um, Denny Villeneuve, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, he is actually like pretty against CGI and stuff like that. Like he was like, anything we can do practical, we're doing practical because I'm not about that. Which is a good reason, a good, like he's easily jumping up in my list of favorite directors um, for these reasons right he's here. He's good. What else is he doing? Not to like go too far from the movie. He's what doing else the is next he doing Dune. Recently? Ooh, right. Yes, they're bringing it back. Yes, I love Dune. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and who better to do it than this guy, man? Like, Based oh, off of remember. this, yes. I'm so excited now. Yeah. We could go home. I'm out of here. I'm already home, but whatever. Get out of my house. <laughs> so um, this movie's starring Ryan Gosling, Anna de Armas, and she's the one from De from uh, Knives, out. Knives Out that we've been talking about. Uh, who plays Joy? Um, Mackenzie Davis, who is an actress that, along with um, the girl, oh my gosh, I just spaced her name from Euphoria and Spider Man. Zendaya. Zendaya. Those two are like rising up in my favorite actor categories so fast. Mackenzie Davis is so good in Terminator Dark Fate. Terminator Dark Fate is not is a really fun movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael. Harry, okay. Harrison it's... Harrison Ford is also in this. If you yes. didn't know. What? Uh, Robin Robin Wright. Um, I was pretty surprised when he didn't show up until like halfway through the movie. Yeah, like three fourths of the way. That in. made it so good. We can talk about it later. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Jared Leto is also in this movie. If you didn't notice, Jared for Leto. like thirty seconds. Just okay, the right. Sorry, it was a little longer. Was but... Just the right amount of Jared Leto. It to, was yeah. to but get then... his goodness, get his Gucci, and get out. I just was so confused. Cause... It was just the character he was born to play. <laughs> yeah, we... it's it's true, and I believe you. I was just so confused because I. Even though I'd never seen it, you know, I'd seen all of the posters and stuff. And you've got uh, Ryan Gosling there really big on one side and Harrison Ford really big on the other side. And then you've got Star Joy Park. there and you have Jared Leto there. And then, like, the movie turns out to be, like, 99% Ryan Gosling, 25% Joy. And then, like, 30-something percent, like, Harrison Ford and 1% Jared Leto. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Dave Bautista was in this movie more than oh. Jared Leto was. You know, we can't forget Dave Bautista because I, I love that part. I was I sad too. that he died. Okay, sorry. What? Go ahead. Spoilers. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Should we hit, like, a spoilers yeah. and edit that out? <laughs> Oh, I've I've already been into so much. Oh, okay, spoilers. true. So hopefully, There's spoilers, everyone. Hopefully, spoilers was already before. Like, I was so sad. I was like, oh yeah, Dave. Like, I heard Dave Bautista in this movie, sweet, and then he died, and I was like, crap. <laughs> like, yeah. I wanted more of him. Uh, that's the first time I've ever seen Dave Bautista without the green makeup on because I don't watch any fighting sports stuff. I didn't know who he was until he got the role in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And so when I saw him, when I went into the theaters and saw him without. The green makeup and with apparently he's the, wearing old makeup and purple this. makeup oh is it purple makeup he's yeah. green in the comics oh okay that's sorry fair. i that's get fair. confused um anyway he's wearing old makeup in this they they yeah. aged him up in it and i had never seen him before and i was like surprised i had no idea that's what he looked like in life. <laughs> Dude, he's a ripped guy man yeah, Holy he's cow. huge also uh <clears throat> this the scene with dave patisa marks the first time in the movie of many times where uh Ryan Gosling's character goes through a wall. Just wanted to know that. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, it's true facts right there. 
Okay, last thing before we get into the actual movie. Sorry, we're like half hour in. Last thing, casting considerations. I found some that are kind of fun. Um, Number one, Emily Blunt was considered for a role. They didn't didn't get any farther than nothing specific because she was pregnant and so she couldn't do it. She, I don't know what she would have fit in. I love her so much and I think she's like the queen of sci-fi, but I don't, I don't know who she would be. Like, I think everyone did great in this. Quick plug for A Quiet Place too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the only other casting considerations I could find, which I get all of my information pretty much on IMDb, so there's probably more out there, <laughs> but uh, IMDb said that there was three um, people considered for the wall, uh, the role of Wallace before Jared Leto was um, cast. The first choice was David Bowie. Mm, did I'd he die that. before this came out? Mm-hmm. David Bowie would have been so perfect, though, for this. Yeah, uh, I would say yes if I hadn't. Well, if I didn't know who Jared Leto was in real life, yeah. I would have said yes. Yeah. But like I said, this was the role Jared Leto was born to play—a man who thinks he's better than everyone and should be a god. <laughs> Just that's that's from everything I've read and heard well, about Jared he Leto. Does look like most Western descriptions and photos of jesus christ yeah that too so i mean <laughs> like he, i said i guess he has good reason to think that he is a god <laughs> he looks like the son of one apparently so when uh david bowie passed away and they figured out that they couldn't have him to play the role they also considered gary oldman and ed harris before they settled on wow. on uh ed harris would have not fit this well i love actually, him he would have done pretty good i think yeah i could see it like I can see it, but I think they made the right choice. Me too. Yeah, I feel yeah. like those are all much older castings than Jared. Yeah, Leto, that's true. It's kind of surprising. But yeah, they. Well, would... the guy's supposed to be way old, right? Like the original creator. I wonder if he creates his own skin suits. No, so Wallace is not. Okay, so we're getting into the yeah. movie here. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh man. So. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Trevor's getting excited. Does anyone else want to talk? I talk a lot. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> well, no, no. Just tell me what yeah, you tell me what you gotta say. I just I I'm gonna set up the world here. So I can't remember the dates exactly, but in like 2049. Yeah, 2049 is when this one takes place, and I think it's the year 2022. Um, there is a nuclear bomb that explodes over the city of Los Angeles. Also, the original I think takes place in 2019. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, a couple years later. A couple of replicants um, see the abuse that is happening to their people and decide they want to put a stop to it. And every replicant um, was built by this corporation called the Tyrell Corp. Tyrell dies in the first one. Spoilers for the first one, Mm -hmm. but he's the one who he's the one who who like like figured out how to make these replicants. So the replicants go. They explode this nuclear bomb above the city, and it blackouts the entire city. And they reference the movie a lot, the blackout, the blackout. That's why there's no like digital um, records of anything before a certain date because it was all like black and just erased because the replicants were being destroyed. They're being hunted down by Blade Runners, which is what Ryan Gosling's character is, which is what Deckard um, Harrison Ford's character was in the first one. Mm-hmm. So 2022, the bomb goes off, everything goes dark. Replicants are able to hide themselves a lot easier since they're not being tracked or have information about them anymore. Tyrell Corp. After this bomb goes off, gets blamed because it's the replicants that did it. They go bankrupt. And then this guy, Wallace, shows up who has made a crap ton of money off of figuring out how to save the world from starvation. Because in this world, it's just like climate change is crazy. It snows in L.A. San Diego's just a big trash dumping ground. Um, there's way too many people overcrowding Basically everywhere. Basically the same as now. 
Yeah. Wallace Corp shows up. He makes a ton of money off of off of making synthetic food. Does he grow like grubs and crap and just a ton of proteins? Things. Yeah, proteins, yep. synthetic proteins. That's and what Batista he... is farming. Sorry. Doesn't he grow <laughs> garlic for himself, Batista out there? In Apparently. the pot, that's what he's growing. Is that's what he's boiling is garlic. Sorry. No, that's cool. I, I didn't notice track. that. I didn't yeah. notice that at all. He says it's garlic and it's for me. Do you want some? And then... Yeah, then they get in their big fight and he gets thrown through a wall. Yeah. Oh, such oh, a cool yeah. scene. So just to wrap that up, uh, Wallace Corp, who has so much money, decides that he wants to uh, further... He, so we have an overcrowding on the planet, right? And so he buys out the Tyrell Corp. Um, replicant building is banned and he gets it overturned with this new version of replicants that he creates the series 8 and the series 8 can he can design them to live as long as he they want because the original replicants the series 6 i think they were um could only survive for like 4 years before they died and the new series 8 could or i don't remember the numbers but the new ones are the series 8 they can live as long as they want they can make them as as, as intelligent or smart or dumb as they want and what he wants to do is he sees the overcrowding and he recognizes there's a problem that we need to fix. So they've already started colonizing off-planet, and he believes that in order to really save the world and save trillions of people, he needs to be able to make the replicants be able to procreate so that he can make enough replicants to send out into outer space to colonize space because he sees these replicants as subspecies. And so he wants these subspecies that he can sacrifice to just send them out into space to colonize these places so then he can send real people out there. So in his his opinion, he's saving the world again. <sighs> Any questions? <laughs> no. Oh, you got questions. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know that, so I think that's cool history so backstory. Is that all stuff that you're like deriving from the prequels? That yeah, so there's three um, prologue shorts that you can watch. Um, that they, they, they cover the blackout. One of them covers what is going on with John P- Bautista's character, and the other one is Dave Bautista. Yeah, I can't remember what the and second, his brother the second John. one was. Um, but then also from the movie, you just get you get ideas of it from the movie throughout what Wallace is talking about. Like, like there's just stuff that you can pull in it. I this is the second time I've seen it, and I noticed a lot more of this kind of stuff from the movie. Well, yeah, that's kind of the idea of their exploring. Or maybe we'll talk about this more <clears throat> later, but that's also kind of what makes his character so interesting is it's like he's not just completely evil. He has some realistic, like, motives for what he's trying to do that you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, but also, like, I don't know, you're kind of a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, so, it's like me with Thanos. Well, the one yeah. scene that we really have with his character is just weird dialogue, beautiful light, and... An ambiotic, the oh, yellow scene. sack. I love that set <laughs> that, that whole destroys, set drops a lady covered in fluids and then a slit. That's that's the whole that's a whole scene with some mm-hmm. dialogue. And it sets up this such like I love this movie. It sets up <laughs> such a cool idea of like what like I was talking about earlier. Like what is humanity? Like are these replicants just something that we've created? Toys that we've created that we can treat as such and send off into space with or or like like in that scene you're talking about when he drops him out of the, the girl out of the sack this brand new replicant and he just kills her right off the bat like Another is angel. that killing like a human being or is that killing like just a toy that he's created well does like, it count as killing then and that's what, yeah exactly does it count as killing and that's what this movie explores so much is like at what point does something become 
human or or worth saving or you know is it is it the ability to procreate is it the ability to have like human relationships like sentient feelings and uh-huh. and, and if if are they real sentient feelings or is it something that we've kind of like programmed into them you know he obviously sees them as his little angels that are disposable well and that's that's what i think is so curious right about k like right off the bat we meet him he's just going out to an assignment and then there's like these weird things that like you almost think that he's just a weird guy like not like a replicant at all because they're keeping him in his baseline, right? They don't—they don't want him to think too much. So they keep him at. Because if they—if they break their baseline test, then that means they're a little—they're running wild, and they just put them down. Interlinked. Also, also, shout out to well, first Ryan Gosling, because like, for one thing, this movie—I think he did an amazing job with it. And what's impressive to me is like, this is a movie that I don't think of as a Ryan Gosling movie, but even though he's like the main role, like he's just become such a like interesting character that i don't think of that actor like as that movie even though it's him um but second reason shout out to ryan goslin is that whole um baseline scene that josh was referencing he supposedly wrote it and it's like an eight minute long scene and he just would recite it like by memory over and over wow. and like for the different shots that they did and all of that but it was that was all ryan goslin like he created that whole thing because i guess originally they had some other um like some aspect from a book or something that they were going to use for whatever it is. Do Android so. do Android stream of electric sheep? Yeah. That's there the book go. it's based on. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if they pulled on. something from there. Yeah, it very well could have. Um so I think it's represented perfectly and and on purpose um the three perspectives on what a replicant is and it's through number 1 like you're saying K who is a replicant who is treated like garbage and we can kind of see through his you know his run like what's going on and then we also have wallace who we've discussed at length he obviously sees them as toys and then we also have um, madam the chief of police who just straight up says like if the information that comes out because they they figure out that there is a child that was born from a replicant and maybe two maybe two replicants maybe twins right this was one of the whole that's one of the things i love about this movie too is the original movie, there's so much debate on whether... We said spoilers, right? Yeah. There's so much debate on whether or not Harrison Ford's Agent Decker is a replicant or not, and it's never been revealed, and then this movie still doesn't reveal mm-hmm. it, and it's still like, is he, is he not? We, no one will ever know, and that's like part of the theme, too, is it's like, does it matter? Do we need yeah. to know? Like, And they do such a good job at alluding, alluding to that idea again. Like when, he's, yeah. when Deckard is having his conversation with um um jared leto gosh i keep wanting to say wayland but that's alien wallace (laughs) Wallace. um with uh wallace and wallace says like something along the lines of like are you a replicant like he hints to it like are you a replicant aren't you does it really matter at this point he kind of says that exact same thing you just said um but so like from madam the chief of police or whoever k is reporting to her whole idea of what's going on is like if the world finds out that two replicants or even a replicant and a human had a baby together. Like, what does that mean for everything? Like she says in it, that's going to break the world. (laughs) Like people (laughs) aren't going to be okay with that. And we never get really get to explore the consequences because the way that it ends is so kind of like open-ended. I mean, no one really reveals anything, but it just opens up this idea all throughout the movie. It's opening up these really cool sci-fi ideas on, on, possible you know 
outcomes of this whole situation. Continue. <laughs> I've been talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's... I don't know. I think that's really curious, right? Is and it can, I guess, can I go down this avenue, right? We talked a little bit about the memories, like what's real, what's fake, and how essentially, like, Kay is living off of someone else's memories and this is how he's going through and he has essentially a point in the film where he has an identity crisis like what am i who am i and what do i do now and what if i what if i am a human do i have more purpose what if i was born i guess not human but what if i was born of this and i have a greater purpose what if and he kind of like struggles with that and we talked about that relationship with his like ai unit whatever that visual effects girl was i just forgot joy 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 um that's like a really interesting thing that like he as like a thing with a program that essentially lives off of ones and zeros and memories created by other someone else who he goes and meets the architect or whatever they call her. Like that is a cool thing where eventually he figures out that this was a farmed memory. This isn't my memory. And when she, you know, scans and reads his mind and she gets that, like that warm memory, I only use these memories at like certain times, right? Like that's a beautiful thought that there is someone out there who's creating these and only shares her memories with specific, her real memories with specific things. I don't know. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of cool. Like, he has this identity crisis, and he goes full circle. Like, for me, like, he gets through, and he kind of, like, realizes this is what I have to work for and strive for is a better in this way. I don't know if that makes sense or if that, like, goes along with anything. So, do you guys think that Joy was just, like it said, like like, the purpose? Do you think she was just playing a role and telling him what he wanted to hear or do you think she was actually like is she a smart enough artificial intelligence to be able to recognize these things in him or does she just adapt and tell him what he wants to hear so are you asking if she's sentient yeah what's the difference between a replicant and this hologram that's one of the things I think is really interesting about the, the Joy character is like I think that's the question that the the filmmakers want you to think about because if you think about her as like a product like when you see her as like an advertisement it's like the the product may have been designed to like uh cater to whatever your desires are or whatever like it'll just it's just like a yes to everything because that might be the product that they're trying to sell but then you're like well maybe she has become sentient by like being like living with k and like who knows how smart or not smart her ai is or whatever and it's like that's another kind of open-ended like you were talking about these ideas that the movie puts into your head but doesn't really explain at any point because it's just up to you as the viewer to be like maybe she you know did have feelings for him or maybe that was just what she was designed to to portray Mm -hmm. tying it back to the memories right like like are we our memories? Like, yeah, she started out as this artificial intelligence that had nothing, but they plant the artificial intelligence or they plant memories in the replicants. Like you were saying, Casey, because it makes them more human and it makes them act, you know, have more human experiences, have more human emotions and everything. So like, does this artificial intelligence, even intelligence, even though it's zeros and ones, like, can it learn from the memories that it has and become its own person? Or is it something special? like in dna like another one like you said one of these ideas that like what makes a person a person i keep bringing it back to this but that's really what it is through the whole thing and that's the thing is that you can never really know with joy because in a normal like movie if there was a a character like her 
where she wasn't AI, but she was able to learn and do things according to specifications or anything like that. I'd say no matter how much like you want to like love her or think that she's actually doing this because, you know, you think that she's learned to love you, like it's not, it's all program. And I think while I would still like lean towards that side because of the world that we're in, where there are these replicants who are literally just manufactured humans, like it, it, it throws the question further. Like it puts it into like a paradox where it's like, well, it is just ones and zeros, but the replicants are there. And in this world they have like their real feelings and everything like that. And so where does the AI of joy fall in with this? Can I reference an old episode? No. What? I, I, yes. I am mother. <laughs> Yeah. So this kind of goes back yeah. a little bit into our discussion with I Am Mother, right? Did you did you watch that film by chance? It's a uh, Netflix film. I don't know that I did. They live in a so bunker. Very good. Daughter has uh, something to do, but robot essentially Hillary robot... Swank. Yeah, Hillary Swank. I want Hillary Swank to be in the next Terminator movie. So bad. So bad. But my my thought with this is but like. Then I got Mackenzie Davis. That's even better. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. Oh. <laughs> I still haven't watched it. Sorry, Vince. You'd like it. <laughs> I think you would. I probably would. I think you would. Sorry, go on. But no, but my thought is, is like, right, we, we see what happens when a being who is like, you're designed to create essentially, whether it's a perfect system like Q from Tron or whether it's like mother from I am mother, right? Like she destroyed other children. What if, for instance, they put these human feelings. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hopefully you've already listened to that episode. Hopefully uh, I oh, wow. open my mouth and insert my foot. Sorry. No, um, but the reality of it is essentially she reset the system so many times to create what she wanted. And maybe that's why they have to put these memories or these thoughts in there so that they recognize that there is beauty in imperfection. Because if you are designing you know, this and you're living through this system that is not perfect, like humanity as a whole, we are not perfect. We are just... It's a big old mess, a hot mess all the time. There's a line in this movie that one of the replicants says that we become more human than humans because we're so humans are so faulted. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, that's perfect. I keep interrupting. No, it's perfect. It adds to like what I'm saying is like they have to have this in order to relate. Otherwise, can you just imagine a being that's able to heal itself faster than you? able to live longer than you and probably Stronger able to outsmart you, you able like to everything. go through a wall like five has, times yeah has the ability to read faster to compress information faster if they didn't have that input into their life which was the human memory or human emotion what would they be and like like i said i still would not hug a robot would you hug a replicant Ooh, dun, dun, dun. because essentially they are robots just biological robots We've put Are you a replicant a racist? <laughs> what? A replicant racist? Like, does it count as a race? I mean, do they? Well, or a species? So many it's, questions. It's like, it's like you telling me, like, do I interact differently with one-armed people versus two-armed people? Because one-armed people avoid each other for the most part, and two-armed people are always hanging out. So, like, there's, there's, there's a question there but, too. But one-armed and two-armed pink people hang out as well, though. But. AKA there her, is a I. thing I. where I, where one-armed people or people <laughs> with disabilities are treated differently. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a very similar situation. I'm not trying to go into anything crazy, but like I don't think like as far as a replicant goes, like unless they told you, you wouldn't know probably if they were like out and wandering. But then again, maybe they just are so weird that you're like, you're a replicant. No, that's the thing is like they they are so 
human, they are able to blend in so well that that's why they had to hire Blade Runners or or create Blade Runners in mm-hmm. the new one because they decided that humans hunting replicants is is wrong, but yeah. but replicants hunting replicants is not. So that's like my question: How is? Sorry, I was just thinking about it. How does like everyone know then? Who is right, a replicant? Yeah, are like required. Because, like, when he goes into his apartment and everything, everyone's jawing at him, and they've got the stuff graffitied on his door. So It's like, if you were a replicant, wouldn't you just go somewhere and, like, not tell people? Exactly, and, and that, that's what Dave Bautista's character was doing. He was right. living under the radar for so long that no one could tell the difference unless they look under his eye, like, where his, right. where his number is. So the Blade Runners are trained to recognize specific things. So if they get a tip, they go to investigate. In the original movie, they had a basically a lie detector where they set up this little camera thing and they measured the eyes movements and everything. But this new Wallace version of replicants, they all have their serial number underneath their eyeball. So it's really a guessing game, you know, it's starts well, as an assumption. And then, well, and you're, that's what your, your home girl, was it Mackenzie? Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. That's what her character is doing as well. She's kind of under the radar and she even says to uh, Kay, like, are you going to retire me? And he's like, what's your serial number? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like one Depends of my favorite interactions. <laughs> so good. What, what did she say to him? Oh, you don't like real girls. <laughs> she's so good. Guys, she's so good. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. So then the movie continues on into this whole detective work, you know, of of Kay trying. He, he goes to Dave Bautista's house. He gets thrown through a wall. He kills him. And it sparks off this whole search um, for a child, basically. They find the bones underneath the tree, which, by the way, Bautista was rich owning that tree in the middle of the place because, like, that one wooden horse that he had was worth a ton of money. And then Bautista just has this tree in the middle of the field. That guy could have done whatever he wanted if he wasn't a replicant. (laughs) It's just fine on the radar. And that's, like, one of my favorite things about the Wallace set pieces is, like, the whole set is wood. It's all wood oh, and water, yeah. which is like nowhere else in the in the whole world is there like wood and water like that mm, from what we see. That's true. Showing off his money. Wow, yeah. that's tight. I didn't even know that. So it sets Let's off go. this just like journey for Kay trying to discover what what is going on here. You know, is this baby really a thing? And he goes in and he discovers that there was, you know, he looks at the DNA and when he looks it up, he discovers that the child died in you know as a child and there was also a replicant that was created and it sparks the whole idea that maybe he was the child and so he goes looking for it he goes out into san diego which trevor you mentioned that uh there's a tie-in to the movie soldier with kurt russell here oh yeah yeah so the i think it's the original writer well so both movies i have it written down here let me just find the oh man where's that I have this problem every time I have so many right. notes I can't find them. So Hampton Fancher, I think that's how you say his name, he wrote the 1982 movie and he wrote the 2049, but he also wrote all of the prequels. And basically, I looked at this dude's like uh, career and like he's only ever written for Blade Runner media, like <laughs> all of the stuff. So he did the original, he did the new one, but one of the guys who did the original who wasn't on the new one he wrote the movie soldier featuring uh kurt russell i think as the the main lead classic 80s action and that guy his name is david peoples and he has always mm. claimed that that movie takes place in the blade runner uh world 
but I don't think it's like ever been official that that's like connected to these movies. But then I think you were going to say they show some stuff that's from the soldier movie in this new 2049. Yeah. So it's the scene um, where he goes out to the junkyard in San Diego. Apparently that exact same area is shown in soldier. So, so it's kind of the tie into that, which is cool. There we go. I loved this scene in the junkyard um, with the junk, with the guy who like owns all the kids. Um, it's the guy who's in the walking dead. I think he did a such, he did such a good job playing this guy who's just been beaten down by society and found a way to survive. And he's been, like he says in it, he, he freaks out when he finds out that K is there and he's part of the law and he's just like stumbling over his words and saying like, no, more, better men than you, you know, tougher guys, bigger guys than you who's tried to shut me down. I'm legitimate. I can do this. But he's like scared because he knows, <laughs> he knows it had dropped a dime. He could, he could lose everything he has. And K bops him. <laughs> Gets him good. <laughs> so anyway, he, he finds out, you know, that this was, he has a memory of this place. He finds the horse. He just, we were lead, led to believe like, Kay is Deckard's kid, and then we finally meet Harrison Ford, Deckard, and he finally tracks him down in Las Vegas. That scene, wow, that scene where he finds a horse was just like the craziest thing to experience, like, because it's just like the music there and the emotion. It's like you're in that journey with Kay right there. You're like, what am I? Oh, yeah, when he like freaks out, like angry after he talks to the girl at the memory, yeah, like the memory place. Yeah, doesn't he destroy the horse essentially? does something with a horse i don't know but no he ends up he gives it to deckard yeah, oh he gives it to deckard. deckard i just can't remember like something happens and he's just like he's just losing it like you feel all the emotions going through drops him off his time. baseline yeah he like goes crazy in the system like and you're you're way off base like go home get out of here like done and then you know eventually he just goes off grid and goes out to las vegas to probably the coolest way i could imagine las vegas being in the future just a gigantic sand dune <laughs> oh, you liked the outside? A gigantic sand dune <laughs> sex land. A, ra- yeah. a radioactive gigantic. Yeah. Sex <laughs> land. Just got so, everything you need. Literally, imagine dragons. Aren't they from there? Radioactive. Radioactive. <laughs> dream in the future. But no, really, like this scene where he breaks off, goes and finds Deckard. Like the orange scene. The orange mm-hmm. scene. It's good. I, I also want to say I, I have in my notes from watching. Uh, I just wrote. Han Solo dash radioactive beekeeper question mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because he has the bees going on out there, right? Which then I was yep. like, bee are the bees replicants? Are they? How are they living out there? How's he doing? How's Same he with making the dog. Money? Like, is the dog a replicant? True. Oh, and I love that line where he's like, he just looks at him and goes, "Is he real?" And he's like, "Why don't you ask him?" And then just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Old Harrison Ford is really just like he's great. Like just there's one especially line when he wants to be there. And yeah. he wanted to be in this one. Like really? he was, he was in there from the beginning when they when oh, yeah. they showed him the script. He's like, "This is, this is a movie. This isn't Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. This is an actual movie." Well, and so then I didn't like the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> we know, Vince. We know. <laughs> we know, we know. Um, so when I was originally writing my summary in a tweet, I had the thing. It was like, it was like they dare you to, like, like this is these are big main parts of it. And it was like this and this and this. And originally, because I was writing it while I was still watching the movie. And I had I put like the original movie, where a strong male lead has like Harrison Ford daddy issues, like in, in reference to Star yeah. Wars. But then you know when he didn't end up being, I was like, oh okay, well I got to take that part so, out. So let's get to that. Um, he meets who he thinks is his father, potentially his father, and then he ends up finding out that that's not the case. Josh, how did you not love this? <laughs> 
Also, how did you not like the fight with Elvis singing in the background? How, what, why? <laughs> Josh, why <laughs> did you hate everything about when, <laughs> when did I ever say that I didn't like that? I'm sorry. You how did, I just you. for some reason think you hate this whole movie tonight. I don't know why. All right, so, I apologize. So don't take this the wrong way. The first time that I was watching the, the Elvis fight and where he's meeting Harrison Ford was where I paused it like the second time because I fell asleep. And like I said, don't take this the wrong way. No, I, I was extremely tired. And if you watch that part, it's very, very quiet mm-hmm. when he's walking around and they're sort of looking for each other. And then there's all of a sudden one of them's there. And so it's like, Poof, and it's like super loud noise or the music will all of a sudden come in in the background. And so it was like, I was literally dozing off and I didn't even know I'd be asleep. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Speaking of, sorry, everyone, I just did that. <laughs> the mic tip one. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's a, I like fell asleep. I'm sorry, ah, crap. And so then I went back. And, so I paused it. I went to bed. And then today when I was finishing the movie, I went back and I started there, like pretty much at the beginning when he's walking in to find Harrison Ford and I watched it. And I did enjoy it. I thought it was like a really, a really smart, but like, how do you say it? Sort of like a new like take on like a, it was still like a big sort of like action fight between these two characters, but it was very, it was kind of genius and subtle because they're in this radioactive place where no one exists. And so using silence so much in like a huge yeah. fight like this was super cool. I liked it. Awesome. Okay. Now answer my question. Oh, oh. Which, which one was yours? Did you like the twist at the end that Kay finds out that he's really just another replicant who happened to have those memories implanted in his head? And it turns out that Deckard, his daughter, the daughter of who's of two replicants has been underneath Wallace's nose the whole time because she's a freelancer for Wallace. I thought it was like good and like not just how can I say it? I like movies with twists and stuff. I'm all a big like Shyamalan fan, whatever. I thought that it was good that it wasn't just like we found out partway through the movie. There's this child. Oh, it's Ryan Gosling. Like, of course, like the protagonist is going to be this. So I did think that it was clever that it wasn't him. And I don't know. Maybe I just like really didn't know enough or watch enough about the movie to really like care that much. Because like when I found out at the end, I was like, oh, it's her. I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's not Ryan Gosling. It's her. Like that was about like all that it came to for me. Okay. I thought her story was kind of cool, especially where she is the, like, she lives in there because she has a sickness, right? She became this, right? She has this disease, right, allegedly. That's what she's told. I'm wondering if they made that up. To protect her? To protect her. Ah. Do they they address that at all? I don't think so. I just realized shaking my head doesn't translate into audio. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm over here shaking my head. Yes, no. Uh, no, but, but yeah, like, that's really cool, right? Like, I think right. that's an interesting thing where they have her contained in a space, and she's so close to the source that wants her that he misses her completely. Yeah, she's so normal that no one can tell. And like, who's gonna check her? They don't want to get in and get diseased. Well, she wouldn't have any sort of barcode or anything. Any oh number. yeah, she's of born. Course. I didn't yeah. even. I don't know. I didn't. How do they? Yeah. Sorry, I just must have missed it. How do they find? How does Ryan Gosling know that it's her? The memories. I must have that. I think. So they go into. Um, so Ryan Gosling has that sex scene with the with the, the hologram and the and, and Mackenzie Davis, right? Oh, I forgot and then Mackenzie Davis tracks him down. They go to Vegas, and um, Wallace's crazy replicant side chick 
uh, blows up the place and leaves him there to die. And then Mackenzie Davis, I'm sorry, I don't know her name in this movie. Mackenzie Davis shows up and picks him up and takes her to basically the underground resistance of replicants who are gathering an army, getting ready to overthrow the government or or something, being able, you know, getting ready to get the rights that they deserve, that they believe they deserve. <clears throat> and then uh, it turns out that 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 lady with that with the one eye. Um, helped in the hiding of the child. Oh, right. So she knows. Yeah. So she knew Deckard. Yet. She knew Dave Bautista's character. Um, and she, who, another cool thing is like the reason that Deckard is hiding is for the child. He knew that they were going to come looking for it at some point. And so he taught the replicants how to scramble the system, how to create a replicant with the same DNA, how to do all these things in order to hide them. And then he himself t- took the ultimate sacrifice of going into seclusion in the middle of a radioactive zone so his child that's important to the future of whatever this future is going to become can live yeah so question and not in like i know this sort of sounds like a like a conclusion question do you think that the next blade runner movie that they've talked about making is going to deal more with that underground replicant army and their rise to their their revolution supposedly I've heard I've heard that with the new movie that they're rumoring they might make um I've heard some people say that it's not going to be at all related to like the Deckard uh storyline. Yeah. So Neil totally doesn't yeah. like sequels even. I was say, he here's what he said. He said, "I'm not going to say his name, express interest in revisiting the universe in a different way, making something disconnected from both other movies instead of a sequel." Oh, because he did say that he just loves like the Blade Runner universe and what it is and the ideas and the morals and the ethics of it all. So I guess that makes sense. I just that I guess I didn't think that there needed to be something like that because that's like a really like basic thing. Like we're an oppressed group and we're gonna rise and like revolt and everything like that. But I was like surprised. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I was surprised that when they got to the place where it's like, oh, we have this like we have this rebellion and we're building underground and stuff. I was like, okay, that's pretty basic, but then nothing really happened with that. And I was like, oh, like, okay. Yeah. I don't think they made enough money to make a sequel. I don't think that it got enough. Especially with how much it costs. Yeah. Yeah. It's really disappointing to me, but I don't think I would want to see that story. The, the replicants rising up story. I, I think the movie that you're describing is matrix two and three. <laughs> or like Hunger Games three, or like or literally Rise, or uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Just tons of these movies did yeah. the exact same thing. So maybe it's a good like not maybe I think, I think it was a good or Detroit game. Become Human on PS4. If you want to see that, go play that game. Oh, I've I actually know that game. Except for those, are, yeah. Anyway, no, I I, I, I don't think I'd want to see that story. Um, I think that this ended so beautifully and just established like an idea that doesn't need to be explored i mean it's there if if they want to but like i don't need it just the idea that it's there is like oh okay that is a possibility that could happen after this you know yeah and it makes sense like that i with all these people replicants in hiding it would make sense that they i mean they already blew up a nuclear bomb above la you know (laughs) they're gonna do something or we can create a mini series like quentin tarantino or bong joon ho about their movies (laughs) they are doing a mini series i know that's like oh for blade runner yeah Oh, it's uh, it's being created by the same guys who did, uh, I want to say, Cowboy Bebop, and it's an anime. They're going to oh. do an anime miniseries I, I, on Adult Swim. Vince's I'll watch anime it. I, racist. I try, I try to get into anime. I just, I mean, I like the prequel anime that they did for this one, it was, but it was only 10 minutes long. Oh, and I will say, oh, crap, I'm going to forget the name now. 
think Spirited Away is one of the only anime movies I've ever watched, and it was incredible. That's it a was great amazing. One. Yeah. So anyway, to wrap the story up, uh, Deckard gets captured by Wallace. Um, they bring in a CGI version of the... I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. Rachel, Rachel. is her character from the original. Rachel. Try to convince him to give away where the daughter is. He refuses to do it. Um, and then Wallace decides to take him off planet where he plans to torture the hell out of him and make him talk. Another just quick, one of my favorite lines, uh, he just turns to Wallace and goes, her eyes were green and walks away. And you can just see his God complex like melt down. <laughs> <laughs> All my work for nothing. Like, someone's getting fired for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who ordered the wrong yeah. color eyes? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Do their homework. <laughs> Well, it makes sense because like all they have are like fractions after the blackout, so they wouldn't know all the details. But but he would. He's he should. Should. He's How God. can you get the contour of someone's face though perfectly and not, and not know the uh, yeah. color of their eyes? <laughs> um, so he goes to take Deckard off planet. K comes over to save him. Actually, the oh, the lady the from so good. the lady from the the uprising, the general lady, tells her to kill him because, like, if he's dead, then no one will be able. To, if he's dead, then they won't be able to trace where she is. They can continue with the uprising. The daughter will survive, and um, everything will be happy. Go lucky for the replicants. K decides. Sorry, Casey. Did you want to talk about the scene? No, you no, you you. T- I love this scene. Like, Kay just comes in, right? I, I don't know how to describe it exactly. Sorry. my For some reason, my mind, I think I really had a stroke. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Like, this is why I haven't been speaking very much. But, like, this stroke. this scene is amazing where, like, they're in the water suddenly and they're, like, fighting. And he's, like, beating it out with, with this chick and, like, fighting. And then all of a sudden the waves are coming and... I don't and know. For a movie where, where did I go? I'm sorry. No, you, I, I, I think I really had a stroke. I agree with you. For a movie that's so focused on the style and the world and the overcrowding and the lights and the everything, the flashiness of it, it ends in this fight scene in this darkness. corner, darkness this of a beach, just weird, off in the corner. Dirty, watery beach that like everything it looks it looks like what I imagine the regular streets of this world looking like all the time. It's just like this is the reality of this world. It's dark. It's cold. It's essentially like London in the 1700s when they're having a lot of coal dust everywhere. But with way more people. Yeah. And yeah. a lot more neon. Yes. Well, I guess not in this spot. But it was just beautiful, and it was done in such a way that it really... Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. great. It was great. So just Kay like... ends up stabbing her, saves Deckard, and basically says Deckard, you know... Wallace isn't gonna he's he's gonna think you're dead he's gonna think you drowned along with all these people so let's go see your daughter he and stabs her no he chokes sorry. her out man sorry yeah. she stabs him yeah. holds her down under the water he's like, don't they like yeah, <laughs> I thought they like both shot each other and they both started bleeding but then it's like screw yeah. it we're gonna have this fight anyway because <laughs> of replicants they can take it yeah but they can't yeah, he just breathe underwater it turns out suffocates her in a brutal scene like you said and Why do replicants go, need oxygen? Because they're they're basically Bio- human machines. in every way. It's, it's, ah, okay. Essentially, the way Makes I understand sense. it, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, guys, they essentially have like tissue organs. that is grown, organs and everything like that that's grown just like human tissue. Yeah, there's piece. no mechanical. And so oxygen. they they're they're not essentially like robots, but they're not. So they're built 
but they're built just like they're, to shoe up. They're like the monster that came out of the thing in Man of Steel. They're grown in those little pod hives thing. Or, or like Ziploc bags hanging from Jared Leto's bedroom yes, or something. Yes, that one. That one. <clears throat> Sorry, Wallace's bedroom. Yikes. And then it ends uh, in this beautiful Jared moment. Bedroom, probably too. And it ends in this, yeah. <laughs> and it ends so. in this beautiful moment of Deckard finally being able to see his his daughter, and we don't get the to see that scene. play out. It just leads us to this moment right before they get this time together, and it's beautiful. And I love this movie. And I want to know if we convinced you. <laughs> the moment of truth. <laughs> I will say that you guys brought out a lot of stuff, like, as far as the story goes, that I didn't recognize, like, at first, as far as, like, how deep the plot goes, as far as, like, when it deals with the, like, a lot of the things about the replicants and their humanity and how they can be considered as important as humans or not as important as humans. And so that definitely does make me think deeper about it and say that it wasn't just, like, a simple action movie plot line. And so the movie can go from good too pretty great i won't like go all the way but i will say that there's like a lot more stuff in it that was like like okay like i see that i don't think like it's incredible or anything but it's y- you moved me a little bit so like bravo bravo everyone good job <laughs> we did I'll, it I'll, I'll, I'll take it i guess well, Vince, it's a better movie than Terminator Dark Fate. Sorry, I'll stop bringing that up. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I haven't even seen Terminator Dark Fate. I'm sorry. What? It, I guess for you. Sorry, I, I, I really think I had a stroke. But what's, I forgot your Trevor. name, <laughs> Trevor. Hey, how do you feel about this movie overall? Like, if you were to give it, you know, just a quick final thought, what would you? How would you feel about it? How do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I personally love this movie. Um, I love on rewatches. You can just find so many things. There's so many like small details like it, it's just it's exactly like uh that quote from the director was just it, it's a huge budget art house film like it's just nothing was overlooked like there's just a craftsmanship to the movie that is amazing to me and i just it's just a fun ride every time i watch it and the twist the twist holds up i feel like time after time because it's just such an interesting like the plot is so interesting to me so i i love this movie i'm a big nerd for it you told me that you had some like fun facts and stuff that you looked up too is there anything on there that you want to bring up before fun we, fact i did want to say we love fun facts this isn't really a fun fact i guess but one of my favorite things about movies in general is soundtracks and this movie actually got nominated for uh, bafta best film music um and it's kind of interesting because they originally so Den- denny villeneuve he worked on arrival or he was the director of arrival i don't know if you guys have seen that movie but that's Amazing. another favorite of mine i love that one um, but the the composer he worked with on that movie was, and I'm going to butcher this, Johan Johansson, I think. And Yeah, I think I've heard that name before. Seems legit. So he did Arrival, and originally Villeneuve wanted him to do this movie as well. And after he did some like preliminary stuff, they were like, no, it's just not quite like what we need compared to the original movie and compared to like the style of the movie. And so they brought in Hans Zimmer, and Hans Zimmer is like one of my favorite, like he's right up there with John Williams as just one of my favorite composers. Um, and Hans Zimmer, I have this quote that he said, we watched and literally as we stopped watching, we decided on the palette, we decided this was not going to be an orchestral thing. The story spoke to us. And with that, they decided to use what the original composer from the 1982 movie used, which was a Yamaha CS80 synthesizer. And they decided to go totally forego like traditional 
um, just like Josh said, like traditional orchestral music and like in that fight scene, they didn't even have any music. They just had the occasional blast of like random sound because they're just in silence in this ghost town fighting. So um, it's just a really interesting soundtrack. All of the stuff with Anytime Wallace comes into play, there's that that deep, um, I don't even know what you call it, like monk singing that comes up and it's like, and I just imagine that that's what Jared Leto's house is like all the time. It's like <laughs> that wood and water and, and that monk singing. Um, so yeah, just shout he's, out to the he's soundtrack. Got the, he's got the monk on retainer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Instead of a record player, he walks in a room and just like... like gives the monk the nod. Yeah. Nods at the monk. <laughs> Starts singing. I imagine dinner at his house is just like uh, this oh, movie. Imagine. <laughs> um, fun facts wise though, I'm trying to see here. Oh, I did write down... Um, so the original baseline scene was supposed to be, as the script had it, was supposed to be a passage from Vladimir Nabokov's Pale Fire, which is a book, um, I think it's an older book, but it's actually the book that Joy asks Kay to read him when she's like, read me a book, yeah. and he, she picks up that book. That's the book that the, the, the baseline scene was supposed to be from, but they ended up going with Ryan Gosling's version, which was the eight minute dialogue that he creates, which is the within cells interlinked within cells interlinked and all of that. Um, other than that, yeah, the movie was great. Some of my notes watching, um, I love all the defunct companies. I love that the cars yes. are all Peugeots, which doesn't exist anymore. There's that giant Atari logo. There's a Soviet union thing at some point. There's a Pan Am one too. Pan Am. Yeah. Like all these companies that don't exist anymore and like huge, you know, I love it. neon lights. I love it. Um, oh, and I wrote down blade runner pistol. Mega cool. Yeah. That thing is way cool. Every time they fire off that pistol the throughout blaster. the movie, it just like, oh, you can just feel it in your chest. Just oh, it's super <laughs> dope. I know that, so Vince sent a little like YouTube video to us that I watched before we came here, and they found the original one because they had sold it at an auction. And so they found the original from some guy, and they brought it into like the studio or whatever, and they like looked at it, and they took a ton of like molds of it and everything like that, and they recreated the original one like bolt for bolt, they said. Awesome. And I'm not going to lie, that is pretty dope, too. Like, that's got to be high on the list of... We did, like, our favorite, like, movie, like, weapons at one point. Like, that's got to be up there because it was super dope. Because it's just so... Even though it's, like, just, like, a pistol, it's not, like, too over the top. Like, pew, pew. But it's just, like... <laughs> it's also not, like, a regular gun, but it's just, like, that perfect happy medium. It's awesome. Well, and there's a couple scenes where in this movie, like, there's just a couple where they... Someone gets shot or they fire off, like, a shot and... Every time that it happens, you're like, man, that looks like it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot, they do a lot of like double shots or something, right? It's like, doo -doo, and doo -doo. So, kids just drop a shoot out in the dump yard that, that when, when they're like cutting him out of the car and he picks up the guy and breaks his back and then flips him around and shoots a couple other guys. So cool. So um, I also got to shout out the, the little drone built into his car. It's super cool. Oh, <laughs> that thing is sweet. He can just like point it and tell it what to do. I want that. Yeah. Like I've been training June to do some my dogs to do something similar, right? But <laughs> to jump out of your car and take to, some photos. To jump out of my car, <laughs> run around, make sure everything's safe, just to do stuff yeah, for me. And so cool. she's not quite there yet. I, I I mount a GoPro on her and mostly I just get <laughs> pictures of her sniffing the ground. So <laughs> here I am. Anything else? Uh I think that's it. The the last thing I had was just um I love the the twist. Like I, I've always heard that the ultimate test of a twist in a movie is that it holds up on rewatchings, and um, I feel like that stands true here. Like the scene with uh, the doctor lady that that builds the dreams. 
I'm not sure what her name is, but I don't know it either. the scene with her, the first time I saw the movie, I was fully on board that, that Kay was the child and cause that's how they, you know, set it up. And so in that scene where he flips out and he breaks a chair and he's all mad, you don't even really notice that she is just sobbing. And the first time I watched oh, yeah. it, I was like, why is she sobbing? And then like, now that you know the twist, you go back and you're like, oh, she like, she knows that it's her, like, and that's her memory and she knows that like she's the child he's looking for um and it's kind of cool that like she doesn't reveal that there because she she even says like it's illegal to use your own memories in mm-hmm. memory creation or whatever and so like she'd get in trouble for that but also she'd be found out that like that she's the child i guess so do you think she know, knew she was the child actually that's a good point i don't know if she did i don't i don't think she knows i think she just thinks she's like a normal just a regular person normal human with not uh did she not have her memories what? Did she not have her memories? She has she her does. own memories, but like, she she's creating all these other memories and all these other images for other folks. And you're not supposed to put them in, but at the same time, like, how does she know that I'm special? Because like, the mom, the mom replicator's dead. You know, Rick Deckard's gone. You know, and all she has is probably been told that she was hustled around by yeah. probably people trying to keep her safe, but at the same time, not letting her know because, you know, I am the the chosen one, you know, you can't mm-hmm. really yeah, keep that a secret. Yeah, you'll have a little bit more <laughs> of a bouncing your step down that. I don't know. So we'll maybe have to, also, I just wanted to mention, we'll maybe have to revisit this episode, maybe put out some extra little bonus content in about a year and a half when uh, we hit June 10th, 2021. Is it the date that's engraved on the bottom of the horse? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Is it or 22? Is it 21? I, I think it's 21. It 21. It's, it's before the blackout, so. Right. Well, I just want to say, just, just to wrap, to I just want to wrap up my thoughts. I tried over and over and over to love the original Blade Runner, and I don't. I Which version? I've watched three <laughs> versions of it, and none of them clicked for me. I love the world that they built, but the movie overall, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I just didn't like them. Um, as much as I wanted to, I just, it never clicked. 2049 is easily on my top list of best sequels ever made right up there with terminator 2 and i didn't realize that until i watched it the second time i love this movie the end (laughs) i will say i was like ready to like and also maybe that's part of it why i didn't like love it as much is because i was ready to be blown away because if i remember right this was both of your guys favorite movie from 2017 and that meant that it beat out like get out and it beat out I don't know. Dunkirk's not like to throw that high up there, but like that's the only one I can remember right now. But I remember that 2017 was just a crazy year for movies. And so since both of you guys had this one at the top, I'm like, it must be like so good. It must be like mind blowing, amazing and stuff. And so I was just like, maybe that played a part of it too. It was just the extremely high expectations (laughs) led to a disappointment for me. But like I said, it is still exactly what I did Terminator 2 with you. Very great. Is that how? Is that? Is it? What's gonna happen to Dark Fade now? Just see it. <laughs> I'm not gonna bring it up again until you guys see it. I will. I'm committing I will to that right doubt now. That. Commit to watching it in the next month. Doubt. I I'm in the same boat as Vince. I literally had just about said ditto as I always do with like a, a solid closing statement. But what I really love, and I have to go back to my first experience watching this movie, and experiencing this this better version of a world that we wanted to know more about 
that they showed on screen, right? They made it to where I felt that I was driving through a wasteland. They made it feel that there was a famine, that there was a real struggle within this society that is on the edge of extinction, you know? And it's a beautiful movie overall. And I, I still stand behind the fact that I, I agree, Vince, I love this movie. And this is one I can watch every couple of months and not get bored of. Like, that's how, how much I enjoy it because the sound is good. The Like, if I watch it on my phone, if I watch it, you know, however, it's just so well done in my opinion that this is why it's my favorite movie of 2017, right? It's It's just like good. And I'm sad that it wasn't better received by people. Like, being honest. I was really surprised because I always heard a lot about it from a lot of people to see, like, how it did in theaters and how it grossed because it even still has high critic scores and high audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes and different websites. And so I was, like, quite surprised that it didn't make as much money as I, I had und- I understand it because, like, like you said, it's a long movie. You got to plan your whole night around, like, I started it at nine o'clock and was up till midnight watching it, you know, after watching all the prologues and everything, I probably spent four hours watching this movie on Wednesday night, but like it, it is a, it's a commitment to get through it. And it's not something like, it's something you got to think about if you take it like I did with parasite, if you take it just at face value, you're not going to really get everything out of it. You know, look into it a little bit more. There's a lot more depth than you'd expect. And again, I know you brought this up, Trevor, and I know you brought this up, Casey, but I haven't said it. The music in this is beautiful. Like that 80s synth is so good. Just feels right. Just fits with the visuals. I think uh, a while ago, way before we did this podcast, I was on an episode of my friend's podcast, the Rogo Tours. He mentioned them sometimes. And the episode I was on was like top Hans Zimmer scores. And... So we did like our top five, and I hadn't seen Blade Runner, but I listened to some of it, and it didn't make it on my list, but I'm pretty sure I made it on to either one of the other two guys' lists. I made it on to either Chad or Jake's list, like pretty high, I think. So like, I that have... should say with all this amazing stuff he does that it's really good. I only have one question about that. Was the Modern Warfare 2 soundtrack on there? I The thing is that I saw it, and I like listened to it because I'd always played Modern Warfare 2, but I was like, I think we're going more like movie-like ones <laughs> here. But no, it's really good. Like, Don't get me wrong. Like, I grew up playing Modern Warfare 2 like, over at my buddy's house and stuff, and I never knew. And then I see, like, what the heck? Like, Hans yeah. Zimmer did this? Like, He does the most random movies like that you would never know, and, and games and stuff like that. So, so good. Money's money. We got to <laughs> make dough. You can produce wherever you need to. Last thing I'm going to say is I give it to Ryan Gosling's blasting through walls out of two. <laughs> two. two. Two walls for two. That was true. That was very unexpected. I I like it. when that happened. I'm sorry. When that happened. Oh, no. I was shaking. Oh, no. I thought thing. you were like, come yeah, on, no, just wrap it up. Pounding <laughs> through the wall. That's what was happening. I got scared for a second. I was like, dang. Well, there's yeah, that. Like but it. then later, uh, Harrison Ford comes right around the corner and then just he out of nowhere, the door wow, right through the wall. Well, yeah. that's, what, that's the what I was talking about. That's why I was so surprised because like Harrison Ford's running and, you know, I'm expecting that like normal, like done, done, done. And then the door like blasts open, right? And it doesn't. He shuts it, starts running. And then almost immediately, boom, right? Goes like through the wall. And you're just like, what the heck? And you're like, oh yeah, he's a robot. <laughs> like, I forgot. But we're supposed to robot. Our whole topics of conversation tonight. We're we're visited. We're we're going in a circle now, guys. Um. Well, thank you. We end it where it began. All right, go ahead. Where are we ending it? With uh, is Ryan Gosling an artificial robot or not? Is he human or not? 
Doesn't matter. End this thing. <laughs> All right. End it. Oh, I'm ending it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. It was fun to have you. Um, I'm not going to forget your name now because I'm going to listen to this as I edit, and I'll get it three times and beyond. It's going to be like you talking and I'll send quiet. Trevor. And then <laughs> yeah, probably. But Trevor, thank you so much for making the commute down here and, and joining us. It was a lot of fun. It was cool to kind of have your perspective. So same as all of our all of our other guests, you have an open door to coming back down and joining us. If you have a, a movie you want us to talk about and you want to join us in conversation with, please let us know. Uh, we would love to, to have you back again. And, and in reality, thank you so much for tuning in, as always, everyone, for listening to us uh, ramble, for me to uh, forget things, and uh, really just for us to have a good time talking about movies. So once again, as all, we always ask, I've said once again like four times in this monologue here, but if you want to check us out, find us on Instagram, Twitter, our website, but also anywhere podcasts can be listened to. So thanks again for tuning in to the Pause, Rewind, Play podcast, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.